Thank you for joining us for today's podcast on culturally responsive and socially just assessment. Our guests today are Dr. Ramona Lewis, Program Coordinator for the Educational Leadership in Higher Education Master's Program at Western Michigan University, Dr. Brian Bork, Faculty Member in the Post-Secondary Education Master's and P20 Leadership Doctoral Programs at Murray State University, and Dr. Gavin Henning, Professor of Higher Education and Program Director in the Master's in Higher Education Administration and Doctorate in Education at New England College, and the current President of CAS, the Council for the Advancement of Standards. Well, thanks everyone for joining us today to talk about the graduate school preparation for our students in student affairs and in higher education more generally. I'd like each of our uh, panelists today to introduce themselves. So, Gavin, could you start off and tell us a little bit about yourself and about your program? Sure. I'm Gavin Henning, uh, professor of higher education at New England College, where I direct a master of higher education program. And we have both a hybrid and online track, as well as a, an online program with a concentration in campus public safety administration. And I also direct our doctoral program in education. Great. Thank you so much. And um, Ramona, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Ramona Lewis, and I'm a full-time faculty member at Western Michigan University for the Higher Education and Student Affairs Leadership Concentration. And prior to this, I served in a variety of administrative roles in student affairs. And our program is geared towards student affairs and leadership. So we have about 18 to 24 students who come in each year and op operate as a cohort. We serve full and part-time students. About 80% of our students hold GAs and the other 20% work full-time in higher education somewhere. Great. Thank you so much. And then Brian, uh, please introduce yourself and your program. Sure thing, Anne. So I'm Brian Burke. I'm an associate professor in the post-secondary education master's program and P20 in community leadership doctoral program at Murray State University. Our master's program has both face-to-face -face and online options. Um, and we don't really function in a true cohort model. It's more of an open cohort. Uh, we do have students who come in generally as groups in both the fall and spring in our face-to-face -face program. And then our online program, we, we see students kind of float in and float out a little bit, um, as, is, as can be common in some online structures. Uh, in addition to our master's program, we are uh, venturing more and more into the graduate certificate arena. Uh, we have currently have a certificate in college student advising, which encompasses both academic advising and student group advising. Uh, and, and that's the, the breadth of advising relationships that folks in higher ed uh, get into with students. And then in fall of 2019, we're launching three new certificates. One is in higher education assessment. Another is in higher education management and leadership. And the other is a certificate in student affairs practice. Great. Thank you so much. Well, this is going to be a great conversation, I can tell. Um, a lot of some similarities potentially between the work you're all doing and also some 
neat and unique differences. So what I'd like to do to start us off is um, we've been talking with quite a few colleagues and thinking about this in the field about this relationship or maybe sometimes a lack of relationship between uh, the assessment work that we do and that we help prepare our students for and the diversity, equity, and inclusion work in higher education. So the people, the practices, just the content and the concepts. So I'd be curious to hear from each of you about what your perspective is as how you see that relationship or lack of relationship um, just in the field in general. So I actually see this as a very recent relationship that, that is still developing. Historically, the from my perspective, our discussions about assessment have really been absent of any sense of links to diversity, equity, inclusion, social justice, whatever moniker we want to pla place on those perspectives. And so that, that relationship is a newer one, it's developing, and it's not one that I see as being applied broadly throughout higher education. Uh, and more specifically, it's not yet being applied terribly broadly throughout student affairs, uh, which means I think that this is the perfect time to have this conversation and, and others through this podcast series. I'll add um, that I actually asked this question to my faculty colleagues who are also in the student affairs unit, and they had a very similar answer to Brian. So they talked about the absence of the discussion of assessment and diversity and equity. Basically, they said, uh, what historical foundation has there been between those two? So they oh. were excited that this is being a conversation right now. So Brian is not the only one who holds that opinion. There were three of us, uh, four of us in that dialogue, and it was very similar. Great. What about you, Gavin? What, what are, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would agree. You know, I haven't really seen a connection uh, for a long time, aside from the fact that, you know, we would be assessing um, diversity programs as we would assess other programs. You know, but the more I think about it and, you know, read some of the work from Brian and others, I begin to see that there's this inextricable, inextricable connection between that, when we, especially when we uncover the philosophical underpinnings of assessment. You know, the evolution of assessments been fascinating to me because it really has just been an adaptation of research methods, but really no um, investigation about what undergirds that. And now we're beginning to have those conversations um, because traditional assessment really followed primarily quantitative research methodology, and that was built on positivist paradigms. So this idea about being objective, objective, trying to be have the a person who's doing the assessment and being separate and um, um, objective or away from what's being assessed. But now we're realizing that that's just not a good approach to have because you can't be uh, totally objective. And as we begin to in, um, interject these, um, this uh, critical theory lens, which Brian's done a lot of research around, to this idea of assessment, we really begin to think about that those are really connected and we can't do assessment without thinking about the impact of power and oppression on our students' experience, on their students' success, and on student learning and development. And so I think, as Brian mentioned and Ramon has mentioned, that there's this emerging conversation now, which is really exciting, but also leads me to, you know, to think, think about, like, well, there's still a lot of work we have to do, um, but we're moving in the right direction, and that's really exciting. 
Great, thank you. So I guess my follow-up question to that then for each of you would be, um, and you've sort of begun to touch on this, why then is it so important to bring these conversations together? So if they've historically been not um, touching each other's space, why is it important for us to bring, particularly in these graduate programs that um, you all are directing and, and teaching in? Uh, one of the things I did to prepare for today is I kind of looked back at the the areas of equity, diversity, and inclusion in the professional competencies. I took a look at our CAS standards for our graduate programs and then briefly looked at the ACPA ethical statements. And it was neat to see how all three of those documents, which I kind of consider current day guiding documents, talk about the importance of assessment, talk about equity, diversity, and inclusion, obviously. And there's quite a bit in each of those documents talking about the need for being um, culturally responsive in assessment. It doesn't use those exact words, but it talks about the value of ethics, uh, making sure that we understand how our assessment impacts our students and the political nature of assessment. So I think we've been called upon to have this conversation from the guiding documents that are sitting right there before us. When I think about this, I really think about, again, going back to this idea of oppression and inequality. You know, we've had this conversation on our campus about retention. And I really think about retention being, um, among anything, a lot of things, a social justice issue. Because when we really look at education, and particularly higher education, it's supposed to be a field leveler. The whole idea is that if we can get edu you know, people educated, they're going to have access to a lot of things. You know, we know that people who have college degrees are going to make more money over a lifetime than those who don't. It improves their health status, their access to housing, and a lot of other benefits. But the problem is that the educational system itself is actually oppressive. And so there, if, if we can't ensure that all students are getting the access and um, we can help support their success, then this leveler is actually another tool for oppression. And so we really, really need to think about how can we use assessment to really understand the underlying system of higher education and how it has an impact on our students' success. And I think that's really what we need to think about and help our future practitioners know that this is an issue, but they're going to be the ones that are going to help us address that. Um, and so there's a lot of work that needs to be done in this area, and it can't be done right away. And as we mentioned, because the conversation is now just beginning to evolve connecting these two concepts. So we really need to prepare our future professionals to think about this so they can continue to do the work that we're starting to do now. And, and I'll add to to what Gavin shared um, as I think about kind of we we have these statements about the what the purpose of higher education should be, and that, Ideally, and it is a big ideal that, that I think we're working toward, is that higher education is a leveler. And so assessment, if it's couched and framed within and intertwined with social justice, provides a, a tool to understand those systems. But then if we think about the role of assessment as a, a, a means for data-driven decision-making, which, and we could have another discussion, whether that's just a term that we use or there's something to that. Well, then we, if we take social justice as, as something that's in, intertwined into our assessment practice, not only can we have data to highlight the areas of inequities and the existing systems of oppression that are preventing equity from being realized on our campuses, well, then we have the data and the analysis to help 
highlight and help drive that conversation. So I think there's a lot of opportunity right now for for assessment practice within our field to really be a driver of more and more of those conversations on our campuses. Great, thank you, thank you so much. Um, and Ramona touched on this a little bit, but what I, in terms of the competencies, so the professional competencies, ACPA, NASPA, the CAS standards. So I'd love to hear from each of you about how your programs are currently organized to address diversity, equity, and inclusion in assessment. Where you know where there are any touch points where you're intentionally, from a say an organizational perspective, thinking about those things together, and and where and how do the standards and the competencies in our field guide guide some of those practices or um, procedures in your program? Brian, do you want to start us off there? Certainly. So our program is new. Uh, we began in fall of 2014, and that's when I started at Murray State. And so I've been um, able to really see what this looks like from day one of the very first students taking classes in our program. And our program was built around and with the CAS standards in mind. And so to that end, we, we've, we've made sure that there are core courses within the program that address each of the CAS standards as they're laid out. But then one of the other things that we do is we, we look at those, those things, those items in the CAS standards, not just as standalone courses, but what are the key concepts that folks should be entering the field with and combining that perspective of the CAS standards with what we're learning through conversations like this and when we're at conferences and talking to um, senior student affairs officers and other folks in the field, what are they seeing as the emerging needs that new graduates should have or if somebody is going back into a master's program to further their education after a little bit of time in the field, what should they be building upon? And so there are some elements that we uh, attempt very intentionally to weave throughout the curriculum in various touch points. So we have a standalone assessment course, but we touch on assessment in multiple courses. Uh, we address diversity mo and, and social justice most heavily in our college students in the United States course, but we make sure that we are uh, having touch points, again, intentionally in multiple courses. Great, yes. thank you. Yeah, go. thanks Ramon. I was gonna ask if, for your thoughts next, go ahead. Sure, okay. So our program has been around for a bit longer and it was original, originally designed to around the idea of social justice and inclusion, really preparing reflective practitioners who have an understanding of the importance of that in higher education. So that's always been the fundamental goal of our program. And so as newer faculty come in, me being one of them, we continue to look to ways to um, progress that goal. So one of the ways it happens in our program is starting with our learning outcomes. Um, and what we did most recently is a curriculum mapping process to make sure that our program's learning outcomes were in alignment and where they were alignment or misalignment with professional competencies and with CAS standards. So we got, just recently got a much better picture of what the intersections of the assessment and diversity are by doing the curriculum mapping. And we also have courses, very similar to Brian, we have um, what's called a diversity cognate. So students uh, um, need to select two courses specifically that will help them in the program goals around diversity and inclusion. So that's something a little bit different about our program. And then most recently, um, 
we have really been looking at um, how to assess whether our program is actually um, meeting our goals for diversity and inclusion. And I think we'll get into that a little bit later in the discussion. Well, I can tell you a little bit about the, the program here at New England College. I started full-time in 2012, but I've been teaching as an adjunct since the program started in 2009. And it was originally set up for people who are working full-time because we have an accelerated program. But we noticed um, over time that we actually had more and more students who were coming right from their undergraduate experience into our program. And so when I started in 2012, I realized I really needed to shift the curriculum a little bit because some of the courses were for um, people who are more advanced in their careers, but we were missing some key topics um, for people who are going to be new to the field. And so I actually um, revised the curriculum to align more um, more closely with the ACP and NASPA competencies. So those really serve as our program learning um, outcome framework. And then use the CAS standards for the master's preparation programs as kind of a guide for how to structure our program and then also the curriculum. Um, and then more specifically, um, we added in a multiculturalism course. So for me, at the beginning, that was really way, the only way we were approaching this idea of uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity is a, a standalone course. And now as I begin thinking more and more about this, um, I'm being trying to be very intentional in hiring our instructors. I'm the only full-time faculty member, so everybody else um, are adjuncts. So I'm trying to be very intentional, hire instructors who have diverse social identities, because I know those they will bring those perspectives to their teaching. And we're trying to do a better job of including discussions of equity and inclusion in all of our courses. Our first course in the program is our College Students in the U.S. course, um, Summit Ryan's, and it's a, it's a theory course. It's a, it's a characteristics, um, student characteristics course. And at the very beginning of that class, I begin talking about epistemology and ways of knowing. So I can begin to think, to introduce this idea of critical theory. We don't have a, time, a lot of time to go in really in depth, but to at least present that because a lot of folks aren't even familiar with the concept. And just to get students to think from the very, very beginning of the program, that we should always be considering these um, equity, inclusion, and systems of power and oppression and how that impacts um, students on campus. And so we talk a little bit about that, how that impacts um, the, the student development theories, how they've come to arise, how the shift has happened even back from the 60s and 70s to where we are now. And then we've also begun integrating social justice into the assessment class that I just finished teaching. It's only a little tidbit, um, but I, um, I'm going to add more of that into the course for next year as I got some feedback from students last night in our last course. And then I'm trying to you know, work with adjunct faculty to, so they can do the same as well. We're not as systematic as Ramona is, or I think or as, as Brian is, um, but we're trying to get to that point. Um, but I think every program is at a different place on the continuum, but the more that we can have these kind of conversations that we're having right now, the more ideas we can take from each other. And I think uh, the programs overall will be more beneficial. And then obviously the uh, professionals in the field will be more equipped to help our students. That's great. Yeah, I was just thinking about um, even along this conversation, I, I'm I'm picturing you taking notes from each other about ideas for your programs, and hopefully, folks that are listening can both share ideas with us and also learn from the three of you. So, Gavin, you mentioned um, this idea of our students who graduate, which is is what we want from our program. So, as you all reflect on what you think um, you envision these graduates moving into the field and and taking those jobs in um, higher education, so. What do you think they need uh, to be prepared to be culturally responsive and socially just, particularly in their assessment practices? What, what, what kind of skills do they need or what preparation uh, do you envision for them? 
Well, I think the first thing is having this critical theory lens is really just begin to look at everything from this um, a, a place of understanding power and oppression and how that impacts um, what's going on. You know, and the more and more I'm thinking about assessment, I'm also thinking about the need for understanding change management. Um, as I am doing more of this work, um, I see assessment more as a change management practice as much as a data collection and analysis practice. Um, because, we, you know, when I think about the assessment cycle, we often don't put a lot of emphasis on that last step called, you know, we typically cl call closing the loop, which is really just how do you take that data and put it into action? You know, we spend a lot of time on the, um, at first was on the data collection method. Then we spend a lot of time thinking about the outcomes and how does that drive everything else? And then we kind of say, yep, yeah, and don't forget to close the loop. But we haven't, haven't really thought a lot about what does it take to do that? It is a complex process because to me, assessment's all about al um, resource allocation. How do we use the resources we have? How do we defend the ones we have so we don't lose it? And how do we get more? But we really need to think about, so how do you manage that process? And it's really about change management. Who do you get on board? Who do you motivate so you can actually make these changes? How do you get the resources you need to do that? And really, when we think about making changes in our um, in our systems so that we can be more equitable, that again is change management. And so I think we may need to rethink a little bit about or broaden our concept about what are those skill sets. And so obviously we need to teach students how to actually implement assessment, you know, from a data collection analysis perspective, create outcomes that are equitable. But how can we actually change those systems and processes so that we can be more equitable. How can we um, change those systems and processes so that the data we collect can be used for change, or as Brian mentioned earlier, to actually expose what some of those issues are. And it takes a talent to not only make those changes, but actually present the data in a way that's compelling. And you know, there's a lot of research around there that I think we could help our students see that there are different ways of presenting the data to really have an impact. Um, just presenting some charts probably won't have that impact. But can we combine that with, with stories and, and stories from students and their experience that can help illuminate that data to really make it come to life to make people move to action? And so those are some things that I think we really need to be thinking about. I have not built that into my assessment class yet. Um, so they're just ideas swirling in my head. But those are some things that I, I think we could consider as we move forward. Gavin, that gave me a lot to think about. Um, so when I was thinking about what students need to be successful as they graduate, I kind of put it into two areas, the kind of traits and dispositions, and then the skills. And I think Gavin talked quite a bit about the skills. So I'll focus on some of the traits and dispositions that we think our students need to have to be able to do this kind of work. And so um, we think it's really important for students to know how to, of course, reflect on themselves and to be really learn how to be really honest with themselves about where they are on those um, measures, I guess, of equity, diversity, and inclusion. So we've decided to kind of start there. And so one of the things that we did to help us with that and be more intentional in helping the students continuously reflect while they're in our program is we're using the IDI or the Intercultural Development Inventory. Some of you may use that. Um, actually, Anne was the one that helped introduce us to that. And we are now having our students take it at the beginning of their program when they first come in. And then we're having intentional markers throughout the program where we'll be talking about it, revisiting action plans that they wrote, and then we'll be having them take it at the end of the program. And two, I think, really important things are coming out of this for us. 
one, we um, worked with the Division of Student Affairs to put this together. So once you take the IDI, you actually have to meet with a coach to go over your um, your inventory results. So we have people from the Division of Student Affairs doing all of those coaching sessions for our students. So that's been a, a really good partnership and the students enjoy talking about these issues with someone other than just their faculty. So we like to see that. And then we also know that by when the end of the program, when we learn um, some things about how students are growing or not growing, it's gonna inform our program quite a bit and will help us as faculty to really see if what we're doing, what we think we're doing in the classroom or in our program is actually working. And so um, we're excited that we are finding a way to kind of assess diversity and inclusion goals um, and grow our assessment measures and actually hopefully have some evidence that will help us improve and grow. It took me a second to unmute because I was writing down so many notes there, Ramona. So when I think about what, what are we doing or, or what, what, not necessarily what are we doing, but what should we be helping students prepare for when it comes to entering the field as student affairs educators post the master's program, when it comes to being culturally responsive and socially just in their assessment practice. And one of the things that I've struggled with as I've started to, to see these conversations emerge, and even before we start to have this, these dialogues about this link between social justice and assessment, just the, the increase of dialogue around social justice throughout the field, is I'm worried that too often people are using these terms without really thinking about what they actually mean in practice or really thinking about just what they mean to them as educators. And so one of the things that I try to do in our program is that as students go through courses with me and we address social justice and its links to whatever the course content is, we spend time talking about what do these things really mean? So we say equity, what, what does that mean? What does it look like? Uh, when we go on a campus, what are signs that there are inequities? What are signs that there are legitimate strives to making a more equitable environment with students? And, and so a lot of it for me it revolves around having very direct conversations about the language that we use and making sure that we actually know what we're talking about when we use these terms and um, throw out these things so that they're not just pejoratives that we're tossing around, that there's actually some some meaning behind them. One thing I just want to add quickly, and Gavin did mention it, but I'm, we're pretty committed to also to realizing our students need to be able to practice doing this work while they're in school. So our assessment class has a live assessment project um, and we have decided that that will stay with that class no matter who teaches it, how it's delivered. We always want there to be an assessment project so that students get practice with it before they kind of go out there on their own and are expected to do it. That's great. Thank you. Boy, so many good ideas. Um, so I kind of want to um, follow up with a, a, a closing question, maybe to bring some of this together. And maybe it's a two-parter and take whichever parts make sense based on your program and some of the things you've mentioned. Um, you've, many of you have mentioned changes you've made or changes you have in mind. So I kind of want to have each of you speak to either a specific change that you haven't mentioned yet that 
you've intentionally taken as a part of your program to address this intersection and to help better prepare our students, or just other things that are on your wish list, like future adjustments you have in mind, things that you're thinking about, or as Gavin said, swirling in your head that you plan to try to bring to bear on the program. So, um, Ramona, do you want to start off and let us know about what you've been thinking about or doing? Sure. So one of these pieces comes from our curriculum mapping process. And so if we have a foundational goal of diversity and inclusion, we had to really get honest with ourselves and look at every single one of our core courses and see if there was a learning outcome in each one of those courses that related to these goals. And uh, we realized that we did better in some courses than we did in other courses. And I think that having that dialogue with our faculty at our faculty meetings um, all year long uh, was very helpful. And so now we know we have holes and now we're making attempts to incorporate a learning outcome for every course, at least one and an artifact to measure that around diversity and inclusion. So that's the first one. And where we see ourselves headed, um, we've been taking real active steps, I think, around global engagement opportunities and um, how we can be more intentional about those. And um, we also are considering the pros and cons of having a global engagement learning outcome in some way um, as a primary learning outcome, but we're not ready to go there yet. And we're also wondering if each course should have some unit or a learning outcome related to global engagement. So those relate to our diversity and inclusion goals in some way. Uh, we're not exactly sure how we'll measure that. It could be around using the IDI. But those are two big things that are on our plate right now. And I have a feeling will keep us busy for quite some time. So what's on my wish list here at Murray State is to do more of the hands-on project type of things in our assessment course. Uh, and then in, in other courses as well, if there are ways to really augment the learning outcomes for the assessment course across the curriculum through uh, some sort of experiential element. And I think on, on my wish list would be for the assessment course or the students in the assessment course to actively engage with efforts that we have as a university uh, when it comes to conducting um, audits of our campus climate. And so we engage in periodic uh, reviews of our campus climate through climate studies. And uh, I'm trying to make some inroads with, uh, with the committee that oversees those efforts to try to find ways to, to get our students connected to that. And so they are, are really see firsthand and experience firsthand um, at least in a small way, um, what's part of that tangible link is between assessments and um, this idea of social justice and diversity and inclusion within our practice. And, and the only thing I'd really add, because I've touched on this before, is really figuring out a way to um, to work with adjunct faculty around some of these issues. It's really challenging to get them in one place for professional development, given their, um, their multiple responsibilities they have in terms of work, because you know, student affairs, higher ed folks don't typically work 40 hours a week and not necessarily a nine to five job. And they've got other responsibilities as well, in addition to teaching in my program and also some other programs. So I've, I, my wish list is really to find, figure out an effective way um, to work with faculty to help um, them think through how do they integrate these conversations, these discussions in each of one of their courses. 
Thank you so much um, to all of you. I've, I've uh, taken a lot of notes too, and it seems like there's some great themes and intersections. Uh, I, you all talked about either doing or wanting to have these practitioner-based relationships, both with your student affairs division and other folks in on campus and getting, getting students that um, experience and practice. And you talked about skill development and um, personal readiness and reflection and then organizational readiness. So what you're doing with looking at your curriculum as a whole, um, mapping that to uh, things in the field like our competencies and the CAS standards and, and the faculty preparation piece, uh, Gavin, that you touched on and, and each of you actually in terms of how do we help um, continue this conversation. I think Ramona started this off by saying, I talked to my colleagues and uh, you know, we know we have some some more reflecting and some more work to do. So I appreciate everything that you all brought today. And I know that uh, we will continue to have this conversation uh, with each other and with others. And um, I look forward to those conversations in the future. So thanks to each one of you for your time today. <laughs>